My friends, I'm so excited for this session. Let me get all set up here. Everybody got their Bibles? Turn to the book of Ephesians, one of my favorite books in the Bible. Come on. Ephesians chapter 4. So pumped for today. Ephesians. We're going to like study the scriptures today. Anybody okay with that? We are going to jump in the Bible because we love the Bible. Um, I just don't want to be so far away from you guys. If anybody needs a Bible, Britt is handing Bibles out. What a woman of God. Wow. Praise the Lord for Britt. Hey, can I, uh, can I just ask a favor of you guys? Um, I'm just so excited. I'm so passionate about this value that we're going to talk about today. Hey, would it be less of just like a seminar that you're just, you know, listening to somebody talk at you? But would, you, would we kind of be a family right now? And would you guys participate with me? Would you guys take notes? Would you guys um, be in your Bibles? Would you guys say amen when something encourages you? Would you guys, would we kind of encourage one another and encourage your neighbor by the way that you're focused and you're paying attention. Don't, don't, don't make me just talk to you this whole time. Like, let's do this as a family together. Okay, so Levi talked last night, family values, let's go. And uh, he talked about grace, worship, family, kingdom. I get to talk, I'm so excited, on the family vacation, I get to talk about the family value. Let's go, I'm so excited. The one that's emphasizing relational unity and harmony and everybody, can you say this phrase with me right now? One more time, nice and loud. By the way, can we give honor to Heather and Jess and Noel who got this place all set up for us and makes it look all awesome. Thank you, guys. So appreciate you. Believe the best. Believe the best. This is our relational harmony, unity, value at CA students. If you're taking notes, this phrase could be um, lengthened to something like this. We choose to believe the best about each other instead of believing the worst, especially in conflict. We choose to believe the best about each other instead of believing the worst, especially in conflict. Can I get an amen? Hey, that's what we're going to do. That's, that's who we are. We believe the best about each other. We're for each other, not against each other. But here's the real heart behind this phrase. Are you ready? This is the one I really want you to write down and maybe speed write it. Here's the heart behind the phrase. Go ahead and put it up on the screens. I really love this. That each member of our family would have a sacrificial, action-oriented passion for relational unity, love, and peace in our family based on what Jesus has accomplished in the gospel. Can I get an amen? Please write that down. Like, let's go. Even if you don't feel like you're a note taker, just come on. Let's go. Take some notes. Let's go. Let's go. Engage with me. This is what, I, this is what I'm passionate that our family would have. This is the heart behind believe the best. That each member, including me, but each one of us here today would have a sacrificial, that means it might cost you something sometimes. 
action-oriented. You're, you're, you're intentional. Passion, willing to suffer for our family's unity and love and being for each other and encouragement, right? That each member of our family would have a sacrificial, action-oriented passion for relational unity, love, and peace in our family based on what Jesus has accomplished in the gospel. We're going to talk about that. I see people still writing, so I'm giving you time. Thanks for participating. Thanks for engaging with me. Thanks for amening. Thanks for being with me. I don't want to just talk to you guys the whole time. I want you guys to talk back to me as well. Thank you. You guys good? Did you write that down? Getting there? It's, it's, it's a long term. But, guys, I want you guys, even as you're writing, would you guys commit to this? Would you say, this is my thing now? I'm a, I'm a part of this here at Students Family because I'm in Christ. And so I am choosing this. I'm choosing this. I'm choosing to have a sacrificial, action-oriented passion for relational unity, love, and peace in our family based on what Jesus has accomplished in the gospel. All right, I'm going to keep going while you guys finish writing that. This value of believe the best, CA students, it's intentional, it's action-oriented, it's passionate, it plays hard on offense and defense to win the prize of relational unity and harmony in our family. Did you hear that? It plays hard on both offense and defense to win the prize that our family would be united in love and in grace and encouragement towards each other. Th- as I was writing this talk, write this reference down. 1 Peter 3, 8-9. 1 Peter 3, 8-9. It says this. Peter's writing, he, goes, he, he says, Summing up, be agreeable, be sympathetic, be loving, be compassionate, be humble. That goes for all of you. No exceptions, no retaliation, no sharp-tongued sarcasm. Instead, bless. That's your job, to bless. You'll be a blessing, and you'll also get a blessing. Whoa. You'll be a blessing, you'll also get a blessing. Why, why I thought of that is because, to me, think about it this way. I was thinking about, like, I want, to, I want every one of us to have this, like, sensor, right? And then, like, if anybody comes into view, it's like, beep, 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 beep. A person, I intend to bless you, right? It's like the blesser sensor. It's just like... Everybody had, and, and any human being that comes into contact, you don't know them, you know them, it's just like, boom, I see someone, I see, I intend to bless this person. Did you see how that last line, it said, you'll be a blessing, you'll also get a blessing? So, hey, can you guys all commit right now to, to have your blesser sensor on up here at this, at this retreat? Anybody comes into your view, I want you to smile at them. I want you to be kind to them. I want you to use your words for encouragement. It's just like, oh, my gosh, I saw somebody. Beep, beep, beep. I intend to bless you. That's the blesser sensor. It's just, see, what I'm, what I'm getting at is it's offensive. It's like, it's, it's not waiting for, like, you know, somebody else to bless me first. No, I'm going to bless first. That's how our family operates. Like, we intend to bless. Even if you've hurt me, the Bible says, bless those who persecute you. So we intend to bless right away. It's action-oriented. Okay, see, students, have you ever thought about the power of unity? Have you ever thought about this? Have you ever, you guys, do you guys know what synergy is? 
Synergy, I looked it up. It's kind of a cool definition. It's not sin energy. That's good, Levi. But synergy is the interaction or cooperation of two or more organizations, substances, or other agents to produce a combined effect greater than the sum of their separate effects. So think about it this way. You guys know like those horses, like those big Clydesdales that are awesome. They can pull a bunch of stuff. These are called draft horses. Have you heard this before? One horse can pull like 8,000 pounds. Put two horses together, how much can they pull? You'd think 16,000, but actually just two horses can do three times as much and can do 24,000. What teamwork, when unity happens. But get this, if two horses train together and do life together and work together, they can do four times as much, 32,000 pounds. So it's greater than just the, the addition of two parts. It's four times. Multiplication happens when synergy happens. Have you thought about the power of unity? See, students, if we're united, if, we're love, if we have our intent to bless sensors up and we are just blessing each other and encouraging each other and for each other and not gossiping about each other, guys, think of what we can do. We can accomplish our mission, which is to lead students to complete commitment to Jesus Christ. We can accomplish our mission so much more effectively if we believe the best about each other. We have that action-oriented passion for relational unity, love, and peace in our family based on what Jesus has accomplished on the cross. But guess what? Synergy is awesome. And the power that we have in unity is awesome. But it's actually not the motivating factor and the foundation for why we're united and why we fight for unity. Do you know what the actual foundation of our unity is and the foundation of our passion for unity? Drum roll, please. It's the gospel. Can I get an amen? The gospel. It's the gospel. It's what Jesus has accomplished. He's made unity possible. We're going to talk about that. And to get into this, guys, I'm really excited for this message because it's going to be like part sermon, but also part like Bible study 101. And so we're going to learn some things on how to study the Bible. I think some of the Bible is going to make more sense to you after this. So keep taking notes. Keep engaging with me, all right? Let's do this as a family. Ephesians, get out your Bibles. I want everybody who has a Bible to turn to Ephesians. Don't just share with your neighbor. If you don't have one, share with your neighbor. But everybody who has a Bible in your hands, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Oh, we're going. We are studying the Bible today, my friends. We are a family who loves the Bible. Ephesians chapter 4. Are you there? Okay, I'm going to be reading in the New Living Translation. Um, I love it. I have it memorized in the New Living Translation, but any translation you're using should be great. Okay. It says this, 4, 1 through 3. I read it. We've been talking about it already. Paul, he says this, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you. Guys, I'm begging you. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. Okay, here's a Bible study tip. Did you notice that it starts out with therefore? We got to find out what the therefore is therefore, right? And so... 
Paul has just been doing something for the first three chapters, which then leads him to this, therefore, for four through six, okay? Paul has just been um, explaining the gospel, explaining the good news of Jesus, just talking about theology and the good news of what Jesus has done in chapters one through three. And then in chapters four through six of Ephesians, it's how the gospel impacts our lives and how we love each other and serve each other. Amen? Okay, check this out. Write this down. The indicative of the gospel, that's what's done, what has been done. The indicative of the gospel empowers the imperative from the gospel. The imperative is like, do this. So the indicative, what's been done by Jesus on the cross, empowers the imperative which is do this, which is to believe the best, to always be humble and gentle, be patient with each other. So guys, Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, we're going to find out what the therefore is there for. So we're going to do a quick-ish summary of Ephesians 1 through 3. Are you so excited? <laughs> I'm so excited. Ephesians 1 through 3. Um, so you can turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Everybody who's got a Bible, come on, stay with me. Stay with me. All right, let me give a quick summary, summary really quick. Paul is exploring in Ephesians the story of the gospel and how all of history centers in on Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and his creation of this new international multi-ethnic, comprised of both Jews and non-Jews, Gentiles, family, and community of his followers. And it's important to know, guys, Jews and non-Jews in the New Testament times and the Old Testament times, there was this hostility. There was this separateness, right? And so the fact in the gospel and in Christ and in the New Testament that Jews and Gentiles are coming together as a family, th there's only one way. And it's through the gospel of what Jesus has done. So you guys understanding that there's been this hostility between Jewish people and the non-Jewish people for ages, for a long time, is important to understand the gravity of what's about to happen. Chapter 1 opens up with this beautiful Jewish-style poem in which Paul praises God the Father for what he's done in Christ Jesus. So verses 3 through 5. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ Jesus. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. What? God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? Okay, I'm going to summarize that really quick. From eternity past... The Father has purposed to choose and bless a covenant people. And this choosing language should ring in our ears of God's choosing of Abraham and choosing of Israel. Turn to Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Every person with a Bible, turn to Genesis 12. Hold your spot in Ephesians, but go to Genesis 12, 1 through 3. First book in the Bible, Genesis 12. We're sitting in the Bible today, people. Genesis chapter 12. This is a crucial passage in the whole Bible. 
I'm going to read it. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relative and your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. And here's the promise. I will make you into a great nation. I'll, I'll make you a great family. I'll bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And here's the huge line. All the families on earth will be blessed through you, Abraham. And Abraham's the father of the nation of Israel, okay? So God always was going to have this set-apart people, this set-apart family, and now Ephesians is showing us that through Jesus, anyone can be adopted into this family. And that's a big deal. That's hugely good news. Let's talk about the gospel. Go back to Ephesians chapter 1, 6 through 8. So we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He's so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He's showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. Whoo, can I get an amen? Okay, I'm going to summarize. Guys, Jesus is, here we're talking about the gospel, what Jesus has accomplished. Jesus' death atones for our worst sins, our worst failures. And in Jesus, we find God's grace, his unmerited favor. We're made right with God. He forgave our sins. Reconciliation between sinful human beings and a holy God. It's grace. It's only grace. It's only possible because of God's grace. In fact, Paul says that grace has opened up a whole new way to understand our lives. Check out verse 10 of chapter 1. You guys still in Ephesians with me? Still there? Paul says God's purpose was to unify all things in heaven. This is a crucially important verse in the whole New Testament, by the way. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. It all centers around Christ. All of history. All right, listen to me for a second. A big part of that bringing everything together was God's plan to have a huge family. I love talking about family on this family vacation. Of restored, reconciled human beings who are unified in Jesus, the Messiah. First, there's this reconciliation to God made possible through Jesus' death and resurrection. And because of that reconciliation, there's reconciliation possible between human beings. Why? Because when people put their faith in Christ, what unites them, being reconciled to God in Christ, is stronger than what used to divide them. Amen? Okay, check out verse 12. Paul says the divine purpose became clear when we were first brought into that Christ-formed family. Here Paul's talking about ethnic Jews, but then Paul goes on to talk about you, and then he's talking about Gentiles, non-Jews. You heard the good news and brought Jesus, um, about Jesus and the salvation through him. You, Gentiles, were also brought into this family through receiving the Holy Spirit through faith. And here Paul's referring to Acts chapter 2, how God's Spirit brought together Jews and non-Jews into one family in Jesus. It's just like God promised Abraham that all the nations would be blessed through him, through the nation of Israel, through Jesus. After the poem of verses 3 through 14, Paul responds with a prayer 
that these followers of Jesus would not just know about God, but personally experience the power of the gospel. Can you just check out verses 15 through 23? It's powerful stuff. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I've not stopped praying for you. Not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. That God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, would give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your heart, CA students, would be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he's given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he's far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It's made full and complete by Christ. He fills all things everywhere with himself. Powerful, Paul. Let's go to chapter 2. So in chapter 2, guys, Paul elaborates on some of the key ideas in the, in the poem of chapter 1. In, in verses 1 through 10, he talks about God's grace. And in verses 11 through 22, he talks about this new international multi-ethnic family in Jesus. I just want you to read it right now. Chapter 2, read it in your book, in your, in your Bible. Read chapter 2, about 1 through 22. It's astounding. I'm just going to try to say it. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world. Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live like that, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But, whoo, can I get an amen? But, God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation, this is good news, people. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen? And then check this part out. We've been talking about Jews and Gentiles being reconciled. This is, this is insane. All right? Okay. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Guys, this is amazing. But this is what's so cool. Jews and Gentiles reconciled. Check this out. 14. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people. When in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. We'll talk about that in a second. Guys, check this out. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross. And our hostility toward each other was put to death. Woohoo! Our hostility toward each other was put to death. 
may that be true of our CA students' family. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Okay, let me summarize. He begins chapter 2 by retelling the story of how people came to know Jesus. Before hearing about Jesus, he assumes this is what's true of us. We're physically alive, but we're spiritually dead. We're trapped in a purposeless life full of selfishness and sin, and we're deceived by the devil. We're subject to God's wrath on a path towards eternity apart from God. But then comes verse 4 in chapter 2. But God, in his great love and mercy, he saved us by grace when we believed in Christ. He forgave all our sins, and he joined our lives to Jesus' resurrection life. He brought us back to life. Now having been created into new human beings through Jesus, we have the joy of discovering all the new purposes and tasks God prepared in advance for us to do. Not only so, we've been shown God's grace. Not only that, we've been invited into God's family. Come on, family vacation. You guys still with me? And this is a huge deal. To go from, think about it, guys, think about it, think about it. Objects of God's wrath from a holy God to members invited into his special family. And let's talk about the reconciliation again of Jews and Gentiles into this unified, multi-ethnic family of God. Starting in verse 11 of chapter 2, Paul says, Before hearing about Jesus, you non-Jewish people were cut off from Christ and from God's covenant people, God's family, the family of Abraham, Israel. Jews and non-Jews were very separate. How were they separate and why were they separate? Well, I'll get into that in a second, but hey, pay attention. Focus with me. How and why the Jews and the Israelites, the nation of Israel, had a special purpose, a distinct purpose. And to do that, they needed to be distinct. Okay? And so the commands, the law, right, that was given, the law formed like a boundary line around the family of Israel so that they would be distinct to be able to fulfill their purpose. The laws were like a barrier that kept most non-Jewish people away. All right. Are you guys ready for a Bible study tip that is going to help you understand the Bible, but might get a little awkward for a second? You guys can handle it. One of the, if not the primary boundary marker command was circumcision. Circumcision was the sign of the covenant between God and Israel given to Abraham in Genesis 17. You could look it up. Here's what I want you guys to remember about this. Circumcision was the sign of membership and inclusion in God's distinct, special family of Israel. Let me say that again. Circumcision was the sign of membership and inclusion in God's distinct, special family, Israel, in the Old Testament. It was and still is a big deal to Jewish people today. And then, guys, there was this big conflict at the beginning of the church after Jesus ascended on whether or not non-Jewish people, as well as Jewish people, had to continue to do the works of the law, the, the commands of the Sinai Covenant, including circumcision, to be saved or not. There was this big conflict about that. To the early Jews, to reject the law and to reject circumcision was rejecting God and opting out of his family. But Paul argues relentlessly in the New Testament that salvation is not by the works of the law, represented by circumcision, but by grace through faith in what Jesus has done on the cross. Can I get an amen? 
Again, we're so thankful that salvation is now not because I follow all these laws, right, but because I put my faith in the perfect man, the perfect one, Jesus Christ. Salvation is by grace through faith. I'm telling you about this because I want you guys to be good students of the Bible. In the New Testament, circumcision comes up a lot, but it's important for you to understand it all has to do with God's purpose to use a distinct family to bring blessing to the whole world through a Savior. So there's this big distinction, right, between Jews and non-Jews because Jews had this distinct purpose. But now in Jesus, this family can come together because Jesus has fulfilled the law. He's fulfilled the Mount Sinai covenant. And so that barrier is broken down and we can be a family together now. Whoa, God's passionate about family and he's made it possible through Jesus and what he did on the cross. Whoa. So really quick, again, Bible study tip, Bible study 101 today. Why did God choose a nation? Like, why did God do that? Why did God, why did God choose Israel? Like, why did he do that? Why did he have to, why? why? Have you ever thought about that? Okay, I will tell you. God chose the nation of Israel to be the people through whom Jesus Christ would be born. The Savior from sin and death. God first promised the Messiah after Adam and Eve's fall into sin. Genesis chapter 3.15. He said that... Um, the seed would crush the serpent's head. God later confirmed that the Messiah would come from the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's Genesis 12, 1 through 3. We just read that. Later still, he narrowed the Messiah's ancestry to the line of David, 2 Samuel 7. Jesus Christ is the ultimate reason why God chose Israel to be his special people. That the Messiah would come from, a, he had to come from some people. God chose Israel. Right? However, God's reason for choosing the nation of Israel was not solely for the purpose of producing the Messiah. God's desire for Israel was that they would go and teach others about him. Israel was to be a nation of priests, prophets, and missionaries to the world. God's intent was for Israel to be a distinct people, a nation who pointed others towards God and his promised provision of a redeemer, Messiah, and Savior. Sadly, if you read the Old Testament, which I pray you do, for the most part, Israel failed miserably in this task. However, God's ultimate purpose for Israel, that of bringing the Messiah into the world, was fulfilled perfectly in the person of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Back to Ephesians chapter 2. Back to Ephesians chapter 2. I, let's just read verses 14 through 18 again with some of that context in mind. Christ himself has brought peace to us. This is chapter 2, 14 through 18. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of law with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from the two groups. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who are far away from him and peace to the Jews who are near. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done. And then it goes on in 19. Guys, this is awesome. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. They were always strangers and foreigners to God's, to God's family. Now, though, you're citizens along with all of God's holy people. You're members of God's family. Together, we're his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We're carefully joined together in him, 
becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. In Jesus, CA students, the laws of the Torah, including circumcision, again, which made Israel distinct so that they could point toward the one true God, Yahweh, have been fulfilled. And the barrier between Jew and non-Jew has been removed. The two ethnic groups have become a new, unified humanity, a unified family that can live together in peace because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Unbelievable. Jews and Gentiles reconciled. One people, one family. God can reconcile anyone who's united to Christ. Do you see God's passion for family? And do you see God's passion for reconciliation? And do you see that it's only made possible through what Jesus has accomplished on the cross in the gospel? By the way, do you guys see, like, how racism is, like, the most anti-Christian thing ever? Because it's just all over here. It's reconciliation between ethnic groups. So we as a CA student's family condemn racism. We say no to it in Jesus' name. (laughs) It's just in the Bible that it's like the most anti-Christian thing. What we're called to is to reconcile that hostility would be ended. In chapter 3, Paul marvels at his unique opportunity to spread the good news to non-Jewish people. Guys, I wish I had all day because chapter 3 is unreal. In fact, I have to say it. At one point, he breaks out into a prayer. He says, he says, when I think of all this, I fall on my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of God. Though it's too great to understand, then you'll be made complete in all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church, the family, and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. Hey, we're back to chapter 4. Woo! Come on. We're back to chapter 4. We, we just found out what the therefore was there for, right? We went through all of that to show that unity and family is important to God. It's important to dad. And so it's important to us as kids. It's made possible by Christ and by the gospel. Now Paul's going to challenge his readers to respond to the gospel story by letting it impact their life story. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Let's read it again. Go in your Bibles. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Here's what the therefore was there for. Therefore I... A prisoner for serving the Lord. Beg you. (laughs) We beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults. Because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. And then why? Why? Oh yeah, therefore. For there's one body. And one spirit. Just as you've been called the one glorious hope for the future. There's one Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God and Father who's overall and in all and living through all. You guys are you guys are made one by, by Jesus. You guys are you guys are one family. So act like it. Love one another. You've been, whether you feel like it, know it, want it, you've been made family with those who are in Christ. And dad is saying, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Make allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united. Because you're one family. Aiden, will you come up and join me? 
This is why C.A. students as a family chose believe the best. We as children value it because dad values it. And we trust that he knows best. What does believe the best represent? These things, we just went through a bunch of theology about how God's passionate, not just passionate about unity, he actually made unity possible through the cross. We've been made one. Hostility has been put to death because of what Jesus has done. Believe the best could be lengthened as we wrote earlier. We choose to believe the best about each other instead of believing the worst, especially in conflict. But the heart behind it is that big sentence I made you write down. And I want you guys to own this like never before. Remember, not just because I'm telling you to willpower it, but I'm telling you because you know the foundation of the gospel. The foundation of what Christ has accomplished. That each member of our CA student's family would have a sacrificial, action-oriented passion for relational unity, love, and peace in our family based on what Jesus has accomplished in the gospel. Woo! Thank you, Jesus, for the gospel. Thank you for what you've accomplished. Thank you that you reconciled people that were so different. You put to death hostility. God, make it true in our family, God. Put to death hostility among us. All right, as Aiden strums, we're going to close soon, but let's get really practical. Let's get practical. How do we live this out? How do we believe the best about each other? Okay, remember, everybody has your intent to bless sensor. We are going to put extra batteries in that thing, right? And we are going to, anybody comes into our view, whether we know them or not, I intend to bless you. I will bless you, right? We get on the offensive, not just on the defensive. Brit tomorrow is going to talk about private before public. That's the first thing, how we live this out, is we live out private before public. It's one of our values. It just means that we feed our personal devotion to Jesus. Because we're not going to be empowered. Our intent to bless sensor is going to run out of batteries unless we're, we, we have the source of the Holy Spirit empowering that intent to bless sensor. So we need to feed our personal relationship with Jesus, our private before public, through the spiritual disciplines, through prayer, through reading the word, through doing the Christ-centered life together, through silence, through a quiet time we're about to do. So we, we have to fuel with the spiritual disciplines, live out private before public. Then, okay, I'm excited about this one. Write down, manners show you matter. Manners show you matter. Is that what you say to your, your girl? Manners give honor. But, I, but I'm saying right now, that's true, but manners show you matter. So, hey, I'm really excited about this. May we be a family. We talked about this in Mighty Men the other day, but this is for all of us. Let's be kind to one another. Let's not just think about our words, but think about our body language. Let's smile at one another. Hey, Make eye contact with other people. Like, don't just be, like, closed in in a circle with your head down, but, like, notice that other people are around and, like, make room for other people to join the circle and be smiling, ready to make eye contact, and then ask questions. Ask questions. And, it's like, imagine it's like ping pong going back and forth. You ask a question, somebody else has a question. You ask a question, you keep the conversation going. That's really awesome and really important. That's really helpful. Ask questions towards one another. Don't be exclusive. Manners show you matter. So let's have good manners in this family. Let's have good body language. Let's smile at each other, intend to bless each other. Then 
words. Ephesians 4 says, let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Guys, that's, that's the Bible. It's not Jake. It's the Bible. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. It didn't say let some of the things. Let maybe 25, no, no, no. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement. Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. Use your power. You have a superpower. Use it to build people up, not tear people down. In this family, we don't slander. We don't gossip. We don't roast. We boost, right? Boost culture. Guys, these are all offensive moves. These are proactive. But now we go into being responsive. Maybe something happens. Ephesians, this, this passage shows us that we need to, guys, we need to expect that people won't be perfect and that we're going to need to extend grace. So give people the benefit of the doubt. Believe the best and know that people are going to mess up. And so I'm expecting to have to forgive. I'm expecting to have to show grace. I'm expecting to have to make allowance for each other's faults. So expect that you're going to have to have grace and then do it when that opportunity comes. When conflict happens, CA students, in this family, we talk to each other, not about each other. In this family, we talk to each other. Hey, I feel like this, this kind of hurt. I love you. I just want you to know. And then the other person can, will you forgive me? I'm, I'm so sorry. We talk to each other, not about each other. When there's a gap in relationship, oh, man, like, I don't know. I, they kind of looked at me a little weird. Is something off? We fill the gap in that relationship with trust, not suspicion. We fill it with trust, not suspicion. We believe the best. We say it in our heads. You know, if somebody hurts us, what, what if our first reaction was, she didn't mean it. He didn't mean it. They didn't mean to really hurt me like that. Even Jesus did that. When he knows they were trying to kill him, he's like, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. What if we could be like our Savior like that? She didn't mean it. He didn't mean it. Believe the best. All this comes back to the heart of believe the best, CA students. Peter, could you put it back up on the screen that each member of our family, is that possible to do? I just want us to read it together if possible. Can we read it together? Ready? Begin. That each member of our family would have a sacrificial, action-oriented passion for relational unity, love, and peace in our family based on what Jesus has accomplished in the gospel. We as a CA student's family are passionate about unity and love because God's passionate about it, but not just because he's passionate about it and he's telling us to do it, but because he made it possible in the gospel. So, CA students, family, today, right now, get that intent to bless sensor on when we go out of these doors, including now. Let's remember what God has accomplished in Jesus, and let's be passionate. Own it. Don't wait for somebody else to bless you. You go and bless every single person around you. Forgive. Expect to need to forgive. Use your words for good. Use your words for kindness. Guys, we can be different. We're called to be different. Let's be a place where it's just so welcoming. It's so loving. I, I loved my friend Jacob Williams the other, last night in cabin time. He, you know, Jacob is so amazing. He's so a part of our family. And he said, because he's newer to our family, he said, what I loved was how welcoming this youth group was. And I was like, come on, amen, thank you. And Jacob, you make it so much more welcoming. 
So I'm proud of you. But we're already doing it. I'm, I'm so proud of you guys. You guys are so amazing. Well, let's go to the next level, huh? Let's go to the next level. Let's pray. And as we pray, you guys can come up as we're about to respond in worship. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Let's respond in worship. Come on up. Come on up. Let's respond in worship. Make room for each other. Make room as a family. Manners show you matter. Manners show you matter. Make room for each other. Another great way to manners show you matter to just do this is if you don't know somebody, go introduce yourself. Say, hey, I'm, you guys are family. I mean, you guys are part of the CSTN's family in Christ. Welcome one another. Introduce yourself. Smile. Remember eye contact. Ask questions. These are all practical things that are really helpful. Let me pray. Jesus, God, we're just responding to the gospel. The therefore was therefore something. We respond. We have the imperative to love each other only based on the indicative of what you've accomplished in the gospel. So we love you. We respond to you by loving each other and loving the world. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen. Let's sing.